Well, hello, friends. Welcome back to our REST podcast. My name is Jeremy Hudson, and I'm excited to continue the conversation we've had going for the last four weeks. This week, we are going to be focusing on belonging. So if you have not been a part of our conversations in the past, our three previous weeks, as we've been journeying in this idea of what is REST, We've sat and talked about how do we plan for rest? What does it look like to have a plan to, to rest? We've talked about what happens when rest doesn't go the way we planned. And we've talked about how rest sometimes can be this struggle of feeling guilty versus really knowing that we're investing where we need to. So if you haven't heard any of those, I want to encourage you at some point, go back and check out the previous episodes of our rest podcast. This week, week four, we're going to talk about how just the reality that we belong, that we already belong to God, that we have an identity in belonging with him and how that informs rest. And to, to talk about this with me, I am so stoked to welcome and to have this conversation with a good friend of mine, Naomi Kaler. Naomi is uh, previously one of my youth ministry students back in youth ministry days. And um, I have been excited to be able to walk out life with her through the different stages. Now she's all grown up. She's got a life. Uh, she's married. She's going to tell us a little bit about that. But she also has a very, very interesting story of belonging and how her story helps her understand what we're going to be talking about, about belonging with God and how that helps us rest. So I can't wait to talk about that. Again, if this is your first week here, I want to encourage you, if this is a brand new conversation for you, don't worry about the fact that this is week four. Go ahead and start now. You can start this journey even at week one and, and catch up. This is just such a life-giving opportunity. You can find all the resources and things that we're talking about at our website, fellowshipchristian.org. Click on rest, or if you have our, our fellowship app, click on the banner that says rest. Okay, without any further ado... Here's my conversation with Naomi. Naomi, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast and for, for just taking time out of your day to jump into this conversation. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be here and it always feels like catching up with an old friend. So I mean, old as in there's history. I'm pretty sure you just called me old. I didn't know I would start off like that. I'm sorry. I don't. <laughs> okay. For those that are just tuning in, um, like I said in, in, earlier, uh, Naomi and I go way back. I've had the privilege of uh, knowing Naomi since she was in, I think, middle school, maybe, maybe even earlier. So Naomi, you grew up at Fellowship. Uh, you had this amazing youth pastor that uh, walked life out with you. That's the reason why you are the way. You, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for those who maybe don't know you uh, or maybe haven't you know, seen or since you've uh, moved out of town, like kind of catch us up to what's been happening in your life over the last few years. Sure. Yeah. So I grew up in fellowship um, and for the most part, so did my husband. So I uh, married Jordan three years ago. And I always joke around and say, it's the closest to an arranged marriage that our parents could have had. Sure. <laughs> um, we grew up together in Springfield. And then um, about four and a half years ago, I moved to Columbus for a job. Um, and then he followed shortly after. Um, and we just bought our first 
home here in Columbus. Um, so we're both in insurance. I'm an account manager and he's an actuary, whatever that means. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I am pursuing my MBA right now. Um, and uh, we have a dog and cat that keeps us very busy. Um, actually, we just stay home and snuggle with them all day, especially because of the winter months coming. <laughs> I'm Filipino. <laughs> that's busy so like you know whatever it takes right yeah yeah I, I I'm Filipino so I always joke around that I was not created for the Ohio weather so I will not be leaving my house <laughs> whenever so I can we'll see you sometime in March or maybe April at that point yeah right? yeah yeah maybe May even um I can relate to that. I've said the same thing about growing up in Mexico. Like I'm not built for this. So I wasn't, I wasn't made for this. So, um, yeah, but that's, uh, pretty much what we do. We did find a church and community here in Columbus. It was hard to kind of transition from fellowship here because of the great pastor. And, uh, of course we we all miss pastor grant. So yeah. Just kidding. Um, but yeah, it's it's been good. Um, but we do go back to Springfield often because family is still there. So Springfield will always be be home for us. But um, yeah, it's been a good few years for us. And, you know, we've gotten from time to time as I've been, especially before the pandemic uh, hit, every once in a while when I was in Columbus, we had a couple of times where we got to connect and, you know, you and Jordan, you know, it's just, it's been fun to see you guys really thriving in that. And, and uh, but yet, to kind of for in this space, bring you back into your uh, original church family and uh, to share a little bit uh, of your story as we've been talking uh, about rest. And so for the last uh, four weeks now, we've been talking as a church about what it means to, to rest in the Lord. The Bible talks about resting, talks about Sabbathing. And in our Western modern culture, that's just almost unheard of. Like we just don't even know what that, what that is. And, and so what we've been learning is that rest ultimately is about being able to contemplate who God is and also delighting in who we are to him. And so in order to do either of those things, you kind of have to take time to slow your pace and then to gain, gain some perspective. Mm -hmm. And this week we were talking about that idea of perspective, especially and how having the right perspective of who we are to God, how we delight in that, really shapes our approach to rest. We talked about the fact that when we realize that what it means to become a son or a daughter of God and all that it implies, as we start to grab hold of that, it has a huge implication on what it means to rest well. And the reason why I wanted to have this conversation with you, Naomi, is because you have this unique perspective on significance when it comes to belonging or becoming and belonging. And it's a, it's a, uh, a perspective that a lot of people don't have um, because of your backstory, because of kind of your origin there. So can you share a little bit about that story and, and how that's a part, that whole idea of becoming and belonging is a big part of, of your story? Sure. Um, so I think my identity and finding out who I am um, and and where I belong kind of started with the idea of that all actually unraveling. Um, so when I was 10 years old, which I think is a really formative age for um, uh, for kids, um, my parents and my siblings actually sat me down and let me know that I was um, adopted. 
Um, and so that just felt like my whole world had been turned upside down. I had no idea. Um, and, uh, I just went through a little bit of a crisis there. I think just through those years already, you're questioning a lot about who you are, why you believe what you believe. Um, and I, I remember lashing out a lot of just feeling like, well, where do I belong? What's going on here? Um, and I also found out at the time, uh, maybe, maybe a year or two later when I started really questioning, cause first it was like, okay, what does this mean? So my siblings who I thought were my siblings are not true siblings. My parents who I thought were my parents are not biologically true parents, but I've, this is all I've ever known. Um, and so I did start asking some questions um, a year or so later about, well, who is my family? So where did I come from? <laughs> right. um, and so they ended up telling me that um, an aunt who I just thought visited and liked to spoil me just because I was great <laughs> was actually um, my birth mom, um, which now looking back on it, I'm like, yeah, actually we do. We have always looked almost identical. So I don't know. It just did not well, click in my mind. So let me jump in there for a second, because um, for those who, you know, obviously this is an audio po uh, podcast. And so if they don't know you, like you said a few moments ago, you're Filipino and, mm -hmm. and your adoptive family was Filipino as well. Mm -hmm. So yes. you know, for yes. unlike some adoptive stories where uh, a child will start looking around and go, I'm I'm obviously different than my, than my adoptive, than the family around me you got to 10 and had no reason to suspect anything different. And right. then finding this out at 10 and then finding out at 11, I mean, it is really kind of this whirlwind of where do I belong and, mm -hmm. and what is my identity, right? Right, right. And it was pretty emotionally charged for everyone. Um, and I think being that age, I took on everyone else's emotions of just, I had um, my mom, uh, my adoptive mother who had raised me and loved me. Um, my parents could not have kids after uh, my siblings. And so I was her baby and I was 12 and 13 years younger than my other siblings. And so uh, she just had that really protective love um, over me. And so now with kind of the truth coming out, it was hard to then share that with um, another woman who um, had also been waiting for a really long time um, to have a relationship with me uh, where, you know, I knew who she was and she could express that. Um, so there were a lot of, there was a lot of love coming from both sides, but it was also hard to navigate at that age um, too. But um, I think the really cool part of that, and I think we're going to get to that too, is just how that relationship worked between my parents and my birth mom. Um, so while my parents were still in the Philippines before they immigrated, um, they actually knew my birth mom because she was um, my sibling's babysitter. So she was actually what we call a yaya. Um, she watched over um, my siblings when she was in, uh, I think around 14 years old. Um, so she was already kind of part of their family um, while they were still in the Philippines. And then when my parents and siblings immigrated here, um, she, my birth mom, went to nursing school um, and she met my biological father. They had a relationship for several years. Um, when they found out they were pregnant, they did get married um, and she was still in nursing school. But unfortunately, 
there was a lot of um, discrimination between classes at that point. My biological father was um, from a richer uh, family and my biological mother was not. And so he did walk out on her uh, while she was pregnant. And then she had me, but um, her school that she was in was very Catholic, uh, had a lot of rules, and they did not, um, at that time, did not allow someone who was unmarried with a baby to be in their school. So um, she was really struggling with a decision on what to do um, because she knew kind of nursing was her way out um, to, to kind of pursue um, a better life outside of the Philippines. Um, so she actually connected with my mom, knowing that uh, my parents had struggled with having more kids after my two siblings, um, and asked if there was any way that they would be willing to adopt me um, to give me that better life here, while she also could finish nursing school, um, and then eventually immigrate to uh, the United States as well. So just, I mean, I think we just have to stop there for a second and just give <laughs> so much uh, honor and wow to mm. so many sacrifices of, of love, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. That um, like your, the incredible selfless act of your, your mom to know that something that is your biological mom, something that she had been wanting, but in if it, the season that she was in and everything, it would have been detrimental to you because she would not have been able to care for you the way that she, that she mm -hmm. needed to and and then the sacrifice for your adoptive parents who became your your parents and your family mm -hmm. your siblings to to lean into that to step into that space and and then to to like you said kind of meld those back together and invite your biological mom back into that relationship and and mm -hmm. I mean just that is First of all, I just want to, I just am thanking God for that origin part of your story, because mm -hmm. while the, like you talked about being the confusion and knowing where you are is, was so impactful, mm -hmm. it is still surrounded by these acts of selfless love and, mm -hmm. and, and doing what's best for, for you, mm -hmm. which I think is fantastic. But let's go back for a second, because all of that um, goes into your identity Peace. And this past weekend, we talked about in our spiritual relationship with God, we start from a place of spiritual orphans. Mm -hmm. We start from a place of a, a, a term that means relational lack or relational brokenness. And so, you know, as beautiful as your story is, we do need to acknowledge that it was from a place of, um, you know, rejection because of, you know, mm -hmm. class issues and mm -hmm. uh, difficulty with with schooling and, and socioeconomic issues. And mm -hmm. like, so you are figuring out at 10 that your origin story was from that place of kind of brokenness and you're putting the pieces back together and trying to I identify, well, what, what does this make me and, and who do mm -hmm. I belong? Right. And so talk to us for a second, just how did you navigate through that as you started putting these pieces together? Yeah, I think uh, between the ages of 10 and like maybe around 18, I really struggled with it. And of course, that's through high school um, and all those fun years, too. Um, like there was a period of, you know, kind of seeing my biological dad on Facebook and then having a breakdown of just like, why would you do this? Why have you never reached out? Why could you 
how could you do that to someone? So there were a lot of really low points and also, again, navigating all these emotions of other people. Um, but I honestly, I kept my adoption a secret for most of my friends because again, Filipino girl, Filipino family, no one had to know because everyone looked <laughs> like family. And um, I did, I just didn't tell a lot of people about it. Um, and so actually a very, very formative time um, in my life was when we went on our first missions trip to Mexico, I think. Um, it just is such a vivid memory. We were all out at dinner and I think I was 16 at the time. Um, and I just let it slip. Like you were, you were sitting across from me. Uh, and I just said like, Oh yeah. And I'm adopted. And then like, was ready to be like, can you pass the tacos? Like <laughs> let's be done talking about that. And you were like, hold the phone. Like everybody let's stop. Like are you okay? What's going on? Like you had known my family this whole time. You had no idea. Um, and I remember getting all like, yeah, it's like not a big deal. It's like, whatever. I don't want to talk about it, <laughs> but clearly I, I wanted people to know. Um, and you just started to draw out this parallel in a way I'd never heard before, just because there were so many emotions around my adoptions, so many like secrets, like there were so many secrets um, that were coming out at that time. Um, and you were the first person to be like, how beautiful and awesome is this story that you have walked through being chosen and adopted into a family, just like we as Christians are chosen and adopted into God's family. And you made a joke about you know, with your kids, I think, yeah, you had all four kids at that time. You were like, you know, it's kind of just, we have to love what comes out. <laughs> and like, <Stuck> with <laughs> That's ours. And we don't get to like, you know, decide whether we keep right. them or not. Um, but with uh, my parents and um, my mom, she was the first one who met me um, out of my family. She had seen me and immediately had chosen to love me and accept me in as her own. And I think hearing it that way and being like, oh my gosh, that is how God sees me as well as um, he sees me for all that I am. And he doesn't have to choose me, but he has chosen me and has adopted me into his family. It was the parallel I needed. And after that point, I think I was more willing to talk about it and and talk about my identity and God and know that, yeah, there's a lot of brokenness and a lot of history here with my story, but there's a lot of redemption and a lot of God just choosing me um, and how that's everyone, you know? I remember that night and I do remember that being a place of turning, a turning point for you mm -hmm. uh, because when I would hear you talk about your adoption afterwards, you started focusing on from then forward. So mm -hmm. you, instead of saying, instead of even that night when you later on were unpacking some of the backstory, it was coming, like the focus was obviously on the circumstances that precipitated the need for adoption. And so the, the brokenness mm -hmm. story is there and you were kind of circling in that. And I think that at some point that was really kind of what your identity was. I'm a, I'm mm -hmm. a person that identifies with brokenness. And then after you made that transition to seeing, but wait a minute, God says he adopted me and loves me. Like my parents, my mom mm -hmm. knew from the moment, like there's nothing I'm not going to do for this one. Um, 
it changed. And so now you had this whole different perspective of because that's me, this yeah. is what I know. Absolutely. And so, so speak to that for a moment. I know that as we're, you know, kind of wrapping this up, there are some people that are listening, even people that were part of our, our services this past weekend that identified with that relational brokenness, like their posture and orientation to God has been more of uh, I'm, I'm broken. I'm, I'm a, I'm a spiritual orphan was a term that we used. Uh, I, I doubt that, that God loves me that way. What does this mean about me? Uh, even some words of like abandonment, you know, came up, like they feel that's who they are. And so we feel like we're these damaged goods in our approach to God, but God said, I've made you a son and a daughter, and I've made you an adopted son or daughter, which as permanent as it is for you and your status it was even more permanent then. So how, what would you say to somebody who's listening right now that says, Naomi, everything that you're saying about your family of origin, I feel about my relationship with God. What would you say to them that would encourage them in resting and knowing that they belong? Yeah. I mean, again, like, I think it was, it was hard to grapple with all these different parts of my identity and all these different people here. Um, and, but what really got me through it was just, I'm in, you know, I have these relationships with broken people who have had histories of, of, um, a lot of pain, but I just, um, a really important conversation with, uh, between me and Jordan before we actually started dating was, he was just like, how cool was it that in every part of this history of you, of the history of your life, God just orchestrated everything so perfectly so that you would end up here with, you know, this huge family of people that love you um, and who accept you and who want you. And I, you know, I would just say the way God had orchestrated um my path forward, like literally coming from halfway around the world to be here and then to find my husband and to start our family. Um, he cares that much and more for each one of us. Um, and I just, I would just say like, just rest in that identity of like, God goes to the ends of the world for each and every one of us. Um, and then that gets to be our true identity, no matter what's going on with the family and what's happening and what we're wrestling with, um, that God just really sees us and all of us and wants us in his family. And I think, man, your words really hit home because in the sea of uncertainty that has been swirling around mm -hmm. so many of us, uh, even more so in the last couple of years, knowing that God has gone to the ends of the earth to make us his mm -hmm. Like yeah. everything else can be roaring around us. And just knowing that that is true yeah. really gives us rest. And so, like we said, I can rest because I'm chosen and I'm loved by God. At the end mm -hmm. of the day, I know that. And that's enough. Mm -hmm. That is, it is enough. <laughs> Naomi, I love having this conversation with you. And every time when it comes up, whether it's in a, you know, in a setting like this, I know in, in youth group, we had a couple opportunities where you got to share the story. I love having that conversation or sometimes just sitting around our dining room table mm -hmm. with you and Jordan and, and Julie. And I just talking about this, it just always is such an uplifting thing for me. And I just want you to know your story is uh, impacting so many people. And so I just want to say thank you for sharing it with us. 
Yeah. And thank you for having me. It is always fun to kind of go back into that because when anyone ever asks me my testimony, um, this is always the story I tell because I, it, again, it is that perfect parallel of being chosen and adopted into a family um, for life. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's my favorite thing. <laughs> As it should be. Don't, don't stop telling that story. We need to hear it. So Naomi, thank you so much. Thanks for jump, jumping on the on the podcast. Thanks for lending us your story. And uh, thanks for walking out in real time what it looks like to belong. We needed to hear that. Yeah, thanks. All right. Appreciate it. Wow. Wasn't that an incredible conversation? What an incredible story. And Naomi's perspective is so good with understanding what it means to be chosen and and to be loved. And so I just want to say again to Naomi, thank you for sharing that with us. You know, in some capacity, we are all that little boy and that little girl that has been picked, has been chosen, and has been loved. And like we said this past week, we can rest because we've been chosen and loved by God. So I hope that Naomi's story has encouraged you, that maybe your heart has been able to connect with that reality in a little bit different way, maybe a deeper way, as this helps you rest knowing that you belong. Don't forget to tune in next week as we come back with episode four. This will be our final episode in our series, and we're going to talk about why is rest something we are really longing for. What is it about the, the, the nature of rest that calls to our heart in a way that is so compelling? And we're going to talk about what that means and where that comes from. Again, if you haven't already checked out our resources for this series, you can catch all of our sermons on this series at our website, fellowshipchristian.org. You can click on media and go to our sermons and then check out the page that is devoted to just the resources that complement this series. If you click on the rest tab, you'll find a digital journal that you can download and you can use that for your days or times, hours of rest to, to journal what, what God is saying to you. You can find our rest uh, playlist. So if you need some some worship music to kind of get you ready to rest or just guide you in those times of rest, it's a fantastic playlist that's been curated by our worship arts team and, and others. And as well as there's some other resources there. If you want to read more, learn more about rest, then uh, definitely check that out. And obviously our podcast episodes are there. Again, my name is Jeremy Hudson. Thank you. And I hope that today's podcast has encouraged you to take a step and to rest knowing that you belong. We'll see you next week.